Welcome to Centre Church. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Anyway, good morning, everyone. Um, it's a privilege to be here, to be part of that baby dedication. I thought that was so powerful to commit her life and the family's life as well to us and to the Lord and our commitment in that. It is a serious thing, like Robin was saying, that, that is a, that's an oath that we take as a, ch- as a church to see them grow up as so many young children that have grown up into adults who have been in this church and generations that have come through here. It's just another generation coming through the church and what a blessing that is. So today I've been really praying and seeking God on what to preach and today I want to preach on for the title would be Repentance, the Key to the Abundant Life of Jesus. And um, in this, I was really drawn to the story of Zacchaeus. So we're going to look at that story today and just see what God is speaking to us today through that. So if you go to Luke 19, and um, we're going to be reading from verses 1 to 10 in Luke 19. And this is the story of in my, in my Bible, it says here, Jesus comes to Zacchaeus' house, that the King of Kings, that the Lord of Lords comes and, and meets Zacchaeus in his own house. And what a blessing that is. It's so easy to overlook those things, that God came and walked on this earth and walked among us and delivered us. And that he doesn't change. He is the same today. So if you go to Luke 19, I'm just going to read from verses 1 to 10. And it says, Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. There are a few points in this passage that I want to go through and kind of dig a bit deeper in. Um, And the first point is is on Zacchaeus' side, that Zacchaeus hears of and sees Jesus. You know, Zacchaeus was a wealthy man, as it's discussed, and he hears that Jesus is coming. And not only does he go to the crowd, but he he climbs up the tree to go and see him. You know, this speaks of, for me, this this highlights the, the fact that he knew that there was something lacking in his life. You know, this was a wealthy man, a man of great stature. You know, today you wouldn't see someone climbing up a tree to go and see someone walk by unless he knew that he had to. And this man, Zacchaeus, even though he had everything that we would say was, was all we need in this life, he knew something was missing, and he had to go and just watch Jesus. He had to just, even just if he could see him walk by, he had to get a glimpse of him. And the first thing is, this is the first step that we have, is to hear and to see Jesus. 
you know, in our lives before we were saved. We may have seen Jesus in, a, in another Christian, in, in the words they said, in their actions. We may have heard it in, in a message someone may have said, might have heard it in a song. Even in Romans 1 verse 20, it says, for since the beginning of creation, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. You may have even looked around and saw there is a creator that ordained all of this. And that's the first step that we have is when we see Jesus. And there is a, a necessity to understanding our own lack. And that's what Zacchaeus had here. You know, Jesus in the Sermon of the Mount, he, he opens up this amazing preaching by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Saying the blessing is on those who realize that there is a lack, realizes that their life is, in Ecclesiastes, talk about it, everything is just vanity, it's empty. And the blessing of those is that the kingdom of heaven is now available to you as soon as you realize that there is more to life, there is something missing in my soul. In, you know, in our world, in the, in the busyness that we have, especially in the Western world, po being poor is something that we don't understand. You'll find if, you, if you've ever shared Jesus with someone that isn't a Christian or witnessed, most of the responses are, I don't need Jesus. There's nothing that he can add to me. My life is good. My system is good. How I, I'm self-sufficient. I don't need Jesus. And instantly they've shut themselves away from the gospel and who God is. But the blessing we find here is Zacchaeus, even in the midst of everything he has, he realizes that he needs something more and he needs Jesus. The second point here is that Jesus calls Zacchaeus and comes into his house. You know, the blessing that we have is that it says in the Bible that through without Jesus, nothing was made that was made, that he was in the beginning with creation and that he knew us before we knew him that he knew Zacchaeus' name before Zacchaeus had ever met him before. And has the blessing that we have that when we come to Jesus, that we are not having to introduce ourselves to him, that we don't need to bring him up to date. You know, it even says in Matthew 6, before the Lord's Prayer, it says that God knows all your needs before you even ask him, that he is fully aware of your situation, that he's so mindful of you, and he loves you, and, he's, and he watches you more than we or I even realize and that, Zacchaeus, that he called Zacchaeus by name, that Jesus calls you by name today, and he longs to come and be with you. That even though he, he is seated at the right hand of God, even though that he is worshipped in heaven forever and ever, he longs to come and to go into our homes. He longs to have a relationship with us. You know, that's what Jesus was saying there. He wasn't satisfied with just seeing Zacchaeus or Zacchaeus seeing him. He says, I want to come to your house. I want to have a relationship with you. And there's also a sense of urgency to it. You see where Jesus is speaking. He says, make haste and come down for today. I must stay at your house. You know, sometimes when the Lord calls us, there isn't time for hesitation. It can't be, oh, I'll, see, I'll pray later or I'll, I'll go and spend time with Jesus maybe next week. There, there are times where it is an urgency to be with the Lord. And if he, and if he would have delayed, he, wouldn't have been he would not have been saved. If he would have postponed it, if he would have missed the opportunity, the divine opportunity that Jesus has where we can be with him, he would have missed out on everything that God has for him. And there is a, a call to when we are around Jesus, even when we're here today, 
that it's not just to neglect that, but there is an urgency to, to begin or continue that relationship with him. And then you see in the, in the verse 7, when it talks about them all complaining, saying that Jesus had gone to be a guest with a sinner. You know, what you see here is Jesus didn't go to their houses. And even though there is sin in the world, and even though there is, there is wisdom in discerning that, to consider what they were doing was considering themselves righteous outside of Jesus, but he alone is, what, is who makes us righteous. It's not, you know, there is sin in the world, and to say there isn't would be lying, but to call someone else a sinner and then assume you're righteous for anything outside of Jesus is, is wrong, and you shut Jesus off. You know, he never went into their home. They never had that relationship with him, and instantly they were removed, and they became the judge when Jesus is the only judge. You know, there's nothing that we can do to deserve the presence and the relationship with Jesus or his mercy. We need it, but we don't deserve it. And when we realize that it's Jesus and him alone and his love for us that draws us near to him, then that will set us free. You know, Jesus said that only the Father can draw those near to him. You know, we can't draw ourselves to God. It's God who invites us and brings us closer to him. And then point three in this is speaks of, in verse eight, where you see Zacchaeus changing his ways. He says, you know, half of my goods I give to the poor, and if any, anyone I've taken from wrongfully, I'll give them back fourfold. And this is in direct contrast to the, the parable, the story of the rich young ruler that is just in the chapter before, in Luke 18, where the rich young ruler comes to Jesus, assuming that he is good and seeing Jesus as good, but not as God. And when Jesus invites him to, to forsake his ways and follow him, he rejects that and he goes another way. But Zacchaeus, in the presence of Jesus, realizes the, the majesty of Jesus, realizes that it has to be his way and not, not the way he used to go, forsakes what he has done. And, and in a sense, that's called repentance. You know, I haven't got time to go through the, the whole meaning of repentance, and there are, total, there are many different ways you can look at it. But one of the, the key meanings of repentance is literally to turn away. And it's, it's even more, more forceful than that. But it's almost a, a, a neglecting and a forsaking of everything you used to do and a complete 180 to embrace another. And that is Jesus in his ways himself. You know, you see in, that, you, and you see in those contrasts that Jesus was the same in both of them. They both had an encounter with Jesus. They both met with him. They both spoke to him, but only one came out saved. Only one came out with the, the divine life and the fullness of what Jesus desired for them. And that was the one who repented. That was the one that looked to Jesus and realized he needed to change rather than needing to be gratified by Jesus and just see, didn't need to change anything in his ways. And then if you see... In the fourth point, Jesus then responds to him and says, Today salvation has come to this house. You see in the story that Jesus was already in the house, and Jesus is our salvation. It's why in Isaiah 42, God speaking to Jesus says, Behold, I will give you as a covenant to the people. That Jesus is our covenant, so he alone is our salvation. He's already in the house. 
but it had to take Zacchaeus to repent for salvation to be available to him. You know, we can be here, we can be in this church today, and Jesus is here with us. But until we fully turn to Jesus, until we fully yield to him, his salvation, everything that he has almost in his hands, is not made available to us until we act and respond to him. That he is there waiting for us. You know, the word salvation there, when you look it up, the, the root of the word is, is sozo, and I'm sure people here know the meaning of this, but it speaks of more than, than going to heaven, but it speaks of the, the Christian life today. It speaks of your salvation, your safety, your prosperity, your preserving the joy and the fullness and the abundant life that Jesus has for us. And it's not just a going to heaven one day, but it's living out the fullness of God's will and plan and purpose for our lives here on earth as well. And it took Zacchaeus to forsaking himself, looking to Jesus, and taking up Jesus' way for that salvation to be made available to him, that life and plan that God has for him to be available. You know, there's a big difference between Jesus being present, like he was with the rich young ruler, and then the life of Jesus being in and through you. And it takes that, it takes that response to the Lord when you realize there is a, there is a divine way that I'm neglecting or that, I'm, that I could, I'm missing out on. And I want to have all of Jesus. I don't want to just believe in him in word only, but I want to live this gospel out. You know, there's a, a famous verse in Amos 3, verses 3, and it says, how can two walk together unless they agree? And in our walk with God, in our relationship with God, how can we truly walk in the fullness of his will if we are in disagreement with him? If we are taking up our own ways or have our own thoughts or our own opinions on things and we don't take the word of God and Jesus as the absolute authority, how can we walk truly in God's will if we neglect his words and what he says and his heart? And that's what Jesus invites us in. When you're in the presence of the Lord, Jesus, and in the word, reading the word, you're invited to take on the mind and the heart and the will of the Lord. And in doing that, he has a divine life for each and every one of us. You know, I remember when I was, even just a few years ago, just being convicted by this, where I would read the word, or I, I'm sure everyone's gone in this habit, where you read your devotional, you're going through the steps and the stages, you're ticking it off. And then you go and live your everyday life, and you know there are areas of your life where you are going your own way. You know, there might be times where I could even say the name of someone, and it would just cause anger and bitterness in your heart. And you know Jesus asked you to forgive everyone, because he's forgiven you. There are times where we may be in fear or in doubt and unbelief, and it's Jesus inviting us to have faith in him and trust in him. And there is a way to the Christian life that is abundantly flowing, like Robin was saying earlier, that river of life that comes through obedience and trusting and forsaking our ways and taking up his. And through that, we have the divine life of Jesus. And I just knew I'd read my Bible and there'd be some truths that I'd take and there'd be other ones where I'd leave behind. Maybe the more difficult ones, maybe the ones more challenging for me, maybe the ones that would cost me more. 
and I'd forsake that. But in forsaking that, I was missing out on the invitation that Jesus had. You know, Jesus doesn't put these things on us because they're onerous and he enjoys to make things hard. He wants us to have the life that he desires for us. And it speaks about that in Psalm 1, that the one who meditates on the Lord, the one that doesn't go in the way of the sinners or goes in the way of the world, in them that they are like a tree planted by rivers of water and that they will produce fruit and that whatever they do shall prosper. But it comes through that obedience and that submission and willingness to say, Jesus, even if I don't understand this, even if this conflicts with me, even if this causes me problems in the short term, I will take your way because I know that you are a good God. And I know you only want good for us. You only want the best for us. And your way is the only way of life. You know, Zacchaeus' way wasn't a way of life before Jesus. The rich young ruler's way was not a way of life. He walked away and he'd missed out on the salvation of the Lord because he wouldn't follow him. You know, afterwards, all the disciples were saying about the rich young ruler, who can go to heaven then? This was a guy that lived a perfect life, seemingly. And in this one thing, Jesus said, will you follow me? Will you leave that behind and follow me? And that he wouldn't. And because of that, he missed out on the invitation that Jesus has for us and every one of us. This is the difference I feel in my heart from receiving Jesus, not only as our Savior, but truly as our Lord in our whole heart, in our whole lives, to, to make him and his word the standard above everything else, no matter how hard that will be. And that God will give us a grace to to walk in that and to be able to do that, even if it feels hard at first or it's challenging at first. You know, there's another passage in the Bible that I feel really practically explains how we can live this out and how we can grow in this. And it's in James chapter 1. I've got a little bit of time, so I'll, I'll, go, I'll try and go through this quickly. But it's James chapter 1, and it's verses 21 to 27. If I just read this out here, it says, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. You know, just quickly, that word able is obviously from the word ability. And, you know, there are plenty of us where we have the ability to do something, but you still need the choice to act that out. I have the ability to run to the door and back. But if I don't do it, I don't do it. It's doesn't matter how able I am, it is, the, it is the cooperation with that ability, it's the decision of that. And the word is able to save our souls, the word is able to give us life when we receive it in humility, in meekness, and we obey that word, then it's able to give us life. There is a cooperation that Jesus requires from us. And I'll continue here from verse 22. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. 
pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the word, from the world. It speaks of a few things here, and we're just going to go over a couple of them. But first of all, it speaks of the blessing that is on those that don't just hear the word, but to do the word. And it's what I was speaking of earlier, where God really challenged me on this, saying, okay, you read the word, but applying it, actually living it out, even the things where you haven't done that before, they're the difficult ones, or they're the ones that, that cost the most. Living it out, and there is where the blessing of the Lord is. You know, God wants to bless us, but it does require cooperation with him to walk in the fullness of his will and his plan for our lives. You know, in verse 26, it speaks about if we're, if we're not even able to control or contain our own tongue, if we're not able to hold back what we are to say and, and to keep watch over what we say or, and to really do the word and not just read the word but then speak evil about other people or, or whatever, it says that your religion is useless. It, it says that you're being deceived. You're, you think by reading the word that you'll, you'll be receive the fullness of life, but you're deceiving yourself. You've shut yourself off from the fullness that God has for you. And that word there where it says this one's religion is useless, that word useless literally means vanity. It means empty. It means there is, there is nothing to it. It has, there is, has, is ineffectual in your life. It's not profitable. You read the word and you go, well, why is it not changed? Why is my circumstance not changing for years and years and years and years? And it's because you haven't applied it in your life. You may still be holding your anger in that heart. You may be still trying to find your own ways and do your own things. You may be trying to put other people down to exalt yourself or trying to use man to elevate you instead of God. And in doing that, you're missing out. And it's, it's vanity. It doesn't, it doesn't gain anything for you. you. You don't receive the life of God that he has for you today if you don't apply. And, and like it says here, to be a doer of the word. And that requires a choice. You know, I remember an amazing piece of advice. One of the best pieces of advice I ever received growing up as a Christian was, was a phrase this man said, and he said, read the word until the word reads you. And it speaks about when you read the word, you know, it says here, it speaks of it being a spiritual mirror. And you read the word until the word reflects in your heart and shows you where you are at in comparison to the, the holy standard, which is the word. You know, Zacchaeus was there in the house. It doesn't even speak about pre Jesus preaching in the house. He may have. He may, uh, it doesn't even say it. But Zacchaeus sees Jesus. He sees himself and he goes, I need to change. The rich young ruler sees Jesus and says, gratify me and tell me that what I've done is right. And it's a totally different mindset. It's, a, it's reading the word of Jesus and going, God, I see that you say this, but I... I'm not, I know I'm not living this. I don't want to deceive myself. I know that this is an area where I'm falling short in. Help me, Lord. Help me to become this word. Help me to, to change my heart, to change my, my mind. Jesus, I want to live for you. I want to follow you. I don't want to go this way anymore. And this is what that, that phrase speaks of, letting the word of God read you. It talks about the word being living and active, sharper than a two-edged source. It's not just a dead word, but it is alive. It is alive, and it can enter into our hearts. And for it to fully take root in our hearts, it requires us to change. It requires for us, like it said there, to receive it with meekness and humility and submission and say, God, your word is the word of my life. 
your will is the will of my life. And even if that means that I have to change, I will change. I don't want to go my own way and try and attach God on the side and see what I can make of it. But Jesus, I truly want to go your way in every step, in every word you say, even in the difficult words, even in the, the ones that require compromise for us. But I want to follow you, Jesus. You know, even something I find in my own personal life is, is praying the scriptures. It's getting the word and praying it and saying, Lord, I want to be this. You know, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. God, help me to be meek. Help me to, to walk in this life. Jesus, I know your words are true. I know your words are true, and I'm struggling this now, but Lord, help me to become your word. Help me to become your word. Help me not to be moved or conformed to the world, but transformed by the renewing of my mind. I want to I live out your will, Jesus. I know your plans are exceedingly and abundantly above all that I can ask or think. It's better than anything I could try and muster up myself, anything I could try and politic or move or maneuver or manipulate. Your plan is the perfect plan for my life, and I want it. And if that means following you in everything, I want to follow you in everything. Help me, Jesus. And he will give us that grace, because we can't do it in our own strength. The rich young ruler couldn't save himself. And as soon as Zacchaeus went, I want to change, Jesus said, now salvation is here. You know, I was in the house, but now salvation is in your house. And that's what Jesus is inviting us today. Jesus is inviting us to, to know him for ourselves. And not just to know him, but to fully obey him, to fully yield to him and accept him in our lives. I know Hannah and I, we had a, a testimony of this where we were going to get married during, just before covid we were booking everything, we were booking venues, vendors, everything, and then um, COVID happened, and then we had that decision to make. Do we wait a year or two years to get married and have the big day, or do we get married now? And we, were, we just felt we can't wait. We can't wait. We, even though it's a sacrifice, we can't postpone our, our marriage on, on the off chance of having a better day. So we went along with it. We had a small, intimate wedding. And then we were having to try and get, you know, refunds and money back from people. And we had this, this Christian couple, actually, that were our photographers. And they were, we went to go around their house and stuff. And then when we were asking for some kind of refund or some kind of payment back, they started getting quite difficult and then not responding. And then after a while, they, they then sent a message and they kind of called us liars. And they were kind of attacking us and getting defensive. And I remember just at that time, just straight away, God said, just forgive them and drop the whole thing. And even though we paid it all up front and then all of this stuff, it was, you know what, we're going to forgive them. And we prayed for them. We prayed that God would bless their family. They just had a baby, so to bless their baby, their marriage, their business. And it was to leave it, and it was to leave it all behind. And in doing that, that was a, it was difficult. It wasn't easy. You might say, well, you know, you lost out on the money. But our joy and peace was absolutely kept intact. We had, from literally the next morning we woke up, there was no bitterness in our heart. There was no heaviness. And I'm sure there are hundreds of testimonies in this room where people have chosen the way of God over their own way. And it brings life. And in it, God is able to work through you and in you in only ways that he can when we choose to cooperate with his word and cooperate with his will. And that comes through obedience. It comes through surrender. And it comes from exalting him above it all. And it's saying that 
you know, Jesus, I want to leave my ways. I want to, you know, that word repent, that turning from what I used to do. And I want to choose and embrace you, Jesus, and all of your ways. Thank you for watching this week's message. For any more information or to find out more of what we do as a church, you can contact us at info at or check out our website at www.centre-church.uk.